Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. Three. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 6, Ariel. The air date for this episode was November 3rd, 2013. The writers were the Kitsowitz, and the director was Kieran Donnelly. Kieran Donnelly is an Irish film and television director. He is primarily known for his direction of major international series such as Camelot, The Tudors, Titanic Blood and Steel, Vikings, and The Wheel of Time. He will direct one more episode of Once Upon a Time. The title card features Ariel sitting on a rock. We begin in the enchanted forest of the past, where Snow White is on the run from the evil queen's guards. Let's all bid a warm welcome back to the stupid pipe cleaner hats. I miss them so, except not at all. Because they are trash. Just little bouncing fry guys bouncing after her. (laughs) It's very threatening. Snow is chased to the edge of a cliff with only the sea below. The guards draw their swords and prepare to capture her. But in her desperation, Snow White jumps into the depths below. Snow starts, Snow, oh my God, that's a tongue twister. Snow White (laughs) starts to sink when someone grabs hold of her and swims for the surface. Regaining consciousness, Snow White looks upon her rescuer and thanks her. When Snow looks below the water's surface, she sees a green fishtail instead of human legs. The mermaid introduces herself as Ariel. Their little introduction was very cute. It was. Back in present-day Neverland, Regina is trying to teach Emma how to utilize her magic to start a fire while her parents look on. Emma snaps how difficult it is to focus when Regina is talking in her ear. Talking is kind of generous because Regina like literally screams concentrate at her, which (laughs) at least in my experience is, you know, always the best way to encourage productivity. I mean, interpersonal skills are not exactly Regina's strong point. (laughs) No, not really. Regina retorts that it'll be much harder to concentrate when the wind is blowing in her face or rain or trying to dodge arrows. Yes, concentration's hard. That's the point, she comments. Regina tells Emma to harness her anger and use it to control the magic within. Emma protests against using her anger, insisting there has to be another source for her to tap into to summon her magic. In her frustration-fueled temper, Emma manages to succeed as the fire has taken hold. Regina is so proud of getting Emma angry enough to make her start that fire. She's like legit into Emma having magic. Yeah, I feel like this is definitely something active Swan Queen shippers use in their fix as like foreplay. <laughs> it's a whole, a whole nother meaning for it. the uh, the line being like, it's really hard to concentrate with you talking in my ear. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, it's really hard to concentrate with you talking in my okay, ear. Okay, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Five minutes in, boink, boink. Horny boink, jail boink. for Elisa. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we're only five minutes in. It's too early. It's too early. <laughs> too early. It's too early for horny jail. and it wasn't me david quietly comments to his wife that this is a bad idea but mary margaret insists that they must trust emma's instincts and desire to hone her magic also side note good for you mary margaret david clarifies that it is not emma he distrusts hook then arrives and comes to david and mary margaret and discloses what peter pan last told him neil is alive both men agree telling emma would only upset her But Mary Margaret can't stand lying or even intentionally leaving out details to her own daughter. 
Like on one hand, I think they have a point in thinking Pan could be lying to just a toy with their emotions, but I'm ultimately with Snow on this one. Like men should not be making decisions for Emma, a grown ass woman. Yeah, the men in the show really need to just stop lying to the women in their lives. It's getting beyond, honestly. Yeah, it really is. But that said, I am so glad the show didn't go the predictable route of Hook holding on to the secret about Neil for like five episodes for maximum drama. Mm-hmm. Like I do legitimately love him immediately running to Charming the Snow to tell his new best friend and his best friend's wife about Neil. Like I wish she had actually gone to Emma first, but this was still a lot better than what I would have expected from a love triangle plot. So you're a decent man, Killian Jones. Charming might be a bad influence, though, when it comes to keeping important information from loved ones. Yep, big same. I am proud of Hook for immediately telling not just anyone, but two people he clearly respects and would have some clearer thoughts on how to proceed because he's obviously emotionally compromised and he knows it. So fair play to Hook for at least like immediately telling, you know, people who are close to Emma and love her and know that they will have like the best intentions. Good Even form, like- Hook. Yeah, good Good form. form. Good form, (laughs) Hook. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Ariel and Snow White are on the beach talking. These shots of them talking on the shore are so lovely, especially like the wide shot. I'm so glad they filmed the scene on location because it's it's really beautiful. And I wish there were more moments like this. It just really feels like a fairy tale. It was really epic and beautiful seeing the scenery and them sitting on the rocks along the shore. It was really nice. Yeah, they filmed it on a beach in British Columbia. Snow White reveals she jumped off the cliff to get away from her murderous stepmother. Ariel reveals she too is on the run, but not from someone, but to someone. About a year ago, Ariel saved a man called Prince Eric from drowning. She doubts the prince even knows she exists, but she claims love at first sight for him. Ariel dumps out her keepsake pouch and shows Snow a commandeered invite to a ball that very night honoring Ursula, the sea goddess. Ariel wishes to meet Eric there. Snow brings up the only flaw in the plan. Ariel can't set foot on the lands with Finn. With a dramatic flop of her tail on land, Ariel's fins miraculously transform into legs and feet. Which is when we learn that apparently there's a lot of holographic lycra and performance mesh in the Enchanted Forest. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. It's pretty. (laughs) It's It's all shimmery. I mean, it is shiny. I'll give it that. It definitely has vibes of the siren from season one. No, shut, shut a little bit. Yeah. No, no. You be quiet. You, you shut. Ariel's okay. Ariel's is better than the sirens. That's for sure. Yes, it's a lot more understated than that siren. That siren was something else. (laughs) Shakily, Ariel walks over to sit on the rocks beside Snow White. Ariel explains that, according to legend, every year at the highest tide, the goddess of the sea grants people the ability to walk on dry land until the next high tide, which is in 12 hours. Snow White asks why Ariel cannot simply ask Ursula for more time, but Ariel explains that no one has physically seen Ursula in over a thousand years and is thought of just to be a myth at this point. Snow White declares she's happy to help her rescuer find love. Ariel asks Snow not to tell Eric that she's a mermaid, at least not until he hopefully falls in love with her in return, which Snow White does agree to with an impeccably doomed, your secret's safe with me. 
Ariel would come to learn that, in fact, her secret was not safe with Snow White. But I just put that in for a dramatic flair. Her secret was actually safe from Snow White. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, wait, Snow didn't do shit to her. No, no, no. She <laughs> does Usually they're not, but she actually did a good job. She, she, kept she did a time. great job. Yeah, 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 she did. I just love it because, like, we flash forward immediately to Neverland of the Present where Mary Margaret proves unable to keep a secret from Emma by immediately blurting out that Neil may be alive, leaving Emma completely dumbfounded. And bless your blabbering heart, Mary Margaret. But good for you, because those two himbos are not clever enough to hide knowledge Emma should definitely be in on. I mean, Snow is just real tired of the men in the group being big damn liars. She'll fix it herself. Yeah, mm-hmm. hell yeah, Snow. Thank you for not hiding this from your daughter. We have to come up with a cover story. Where are you going? Neil's alive. Hunting. Well, like, well, the two idiots go hunting or and then gathering wood. Yeah. And it's It's real bad. It's real bad. Snow's just like, like, yeah, she's like, oh my God. Tweedledee, Tweedledum right here. Like, I just can't. It's an exercise in the most ineptitude you've ever seen. Yeah. Snow's like, oh my God, no. Why am I the only smart person here? Yeah, really. (laughs) Meanwhile, using the powers he took from the seer all those years ago, Mr. Gold is attempting to see the near future when Pan appears, revealing that no one can see the future in Neverland, for it is a place where time stands still. Pan attempts to sweet talk Rumpelstiltskin by offering him cooked eggs in a basket, his favorite breakfast. Aww. What's that little psychopath? I love that Pan just keeps popping up to be a little shit to people. Like, nothing but power moves coming from Pan. He really is an excellent villain. I will never shut up about just how amazing he is. I love his eggs in a basket move. Like, it's emotionally toying with Rumple. But you have to also wonder if there's a modicum of, like, something more. You know, I mean, you two, you two understand the context of what happens. Yeah. With the context of what happens. Right. I'm just like colder, but also like colder, but there's also more like it, it could actually be. Yeah. 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 It's very meaningful. And you just see like, yeah, it's a great moment. And you see it on like Robert Carlyle's face, like too. It's just like, you fucking sick bastard. (laughs) Like, like, I hate you so much. What is wrong with you? Speaking of which, Mr. Gold will have none of it. In a verbal joust, it is made known that Peter Pan cannot die without Mr. Gold dying as well. Pan tells Rumpel that even if he did save Neil and Henry, which Pound confidently believes Rumpel cannot, his son will never forgive him for all of the past hurt. Pan rhetorically asks Rumpelstiltskin if he has forgiven his own father for abandoning him, which Mr. Gold has not. <laughs> Pan encourages Mr. Gold to leave Neverland and go home to Belle and start a new family. And they made this poor 17-year-old boy say she looks fertile. And I'm just like, I understand that Pan is supposed to be like this just cold bastard and who doesn't like understand love and connection and blah, 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 blah. But I'm just like, we could have said that a different way, Kitsowitz. Yeah, that it was, was so gross. It was so gross. Ugh, fertile. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, look, nope. I understand Pan's a bastard. This isn't Pan being a bastard. This is you guys being nasty. Being gross. Being yeah. gross. So back at the camp, everyone is up to speed and Regina refuses to be distracted from Operation Rescue Henry any longer and breaks from the group after Emma hesitates to stay the course. Everyone else follows a nearby trail that shows signs of a struggle that could lead to Neil. (laughs) The moms were fighting. (laughs) 
In the enchanted forest of the past, Snow White and Ariel arrive at Prince Eric's under the sea ball. As they take a turn around the main floor, Snow goes over the finer points of human mannerisms, including the proper use of what Ariel refers to as a mini trident, aka a salad fork, which she promptly pockets like the little hoarding chipmunk that she is. And I just love her for it. <laughs> She's like, woo, sticks it in her pocket. And I'm a little jealous because her cute dress does have pockets. <laughs> The clothes in this scene. I knew it. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't have to talk about it because I know Lynn. Oh, no, I got it. you. <laughs> Thank you. I got you because they make me livid. I couldn't spend any more time on it. I was like, no, I can't. I, I saw red. I completely saw red. Like what Snow is wearing to the ball makes me so angry. It looks like it came from Target. It really does. Like, does the fairy tale land that was have Target? Like, don't get me wrong. I love Target, but this is supposed to be a fantasy setting. And like, honestly, everyone in this whole scene is either in a cheap prom dress or business casual. There is literally a woman in a blazer and a pencil skirt in the background. Yep. Yeah. It's like they ran out of time for this episode and just went, fuck it. Just stop by the mall on the way to the studio. Yeah, 100%. I do know for a fact, like their costume turnaround time was so fucking tight. So scenes like this were like murder for the costume department. Like they just had no time to like do anything. But then I'm like, well, where the fuck were you? That's what I was thinking. Like, what the fuck? Why aren't you reusing anything? Like no one would have cared or noticed if you'd been like, oh shit, we have to shoot another ball scene. We don't have the time or resources to create an all new wardrobe. Let's just pull in the wardrobe from like, the Cinderella episode where we also had a ball. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. and those were still prom dresses, but they were they, they were, were long. They were better. They were better. You looking? They at least came from Win. Yeah, they they came from Windsor, not not a, a yeah. like summer H and M. Yeah, line. yeah, and all yeah, because all the dresses were so short and like. I was wondering if their concept here was like it's a beach town. That's Everyone what I was wants bare legs. I think they did on purpose. And like, I would get why they would have made the choice to have Ariel in that high-low dress because she wanted to show off her 24 hours only legs. Mm -hmm. But everyone has one. Everyone's in a short dress. I would have definitely preferred the prom dresses for the background characters from Price of Gold because no one was going to notice if those dresses were the same. I mean, we might have re-looking at it, but we could be like, oh, it's the same background people. Traveling royalty. So it would have made sense. And they're, they go to a lot of parties. Go to a lot of parties. But Yeah. yeah. Ariel's outside of the fantasy setting I did think her dress her dress specifically was very pretty yes and I can understand the showing off wanting to show off her her 24-hour legs she, you know she only got them very brief so she wanted to show them off and also I feel like there's something about a high-low dress that's very mermaidy yes I feel like there was a conversation and they were like, okay, we should have like all the prom dresses, right? Or whatever the fuck, the Windsor dresses from Price of Gold. But then, yes, we want to show off Ariel's legs. And it's like, okay, well, she'll stand out. But is that then she's standing out in a bad way? Because like, she doesn't like look like she blends in and should be there. Mm. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, I could see like that train of thought. But then I can also see the train of thought. Well, for showing everybody's legs, then she just kind of, blends in too much i mean she doesn't because she's the only ginger but still i get like that they were probably between a rock and a hard place but i don't know it was all a choice it was definitely a choice and like there was no excuse for the blazer and the pencil skirt because i saw no. that woman. and you know that i don't pay, fucking pay attention at all mostly for background. She, she walks right yeah. behind when ariel and eric are dancing and i just was like that woman's just in a fucking power suit to go to the office on monday yeah, yeah that was rough <laughs> 
Yeah. And Eric looked good. Eric looked good. Yeah. Eric was, looked uh, good. Nary jacket. That looked mm-hmm. good. Nary jacket. Yeah. With like those little gold epaulet and it, shit. It was like they spent the entire budget on Ariel's dress and Eric's outfit and everyone else. They were just like, uh. Grab something off the rack. At, at Pretty the much. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. It was, it, it was all a choice. It was, it was, it was not a good choice. I'll say no. that. No. <laughs> choices were made and none of them good and and fucking snow white her her fucking hair i was just like no i i wear messy hair all the fucking time like i cannot be ours to do my hair but like ariel has a full face of makeup and beautiful waves going on and i'm just like they couldn't even bother to like give snow a bun (laughs) i will here i will benefit of the doubt since going off of lore, Snow White is supposed to be the fairest of them all. She didn't want to upstage Ariel. Oh. So she was like, no, nah, not going to comb my hair, not going to put on makeup, going to go sit in a corner just, and not draw attention. It's I'm just night. being a wing woman. I'm just exactly. being a wing woman. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. There's there's my benefit of the doubt for Snow's, Snow's messy hair and situation. Yeah. And maybe she was the one who did the hair and makeup. So she's like, no, 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 honey. Don't worry. We're going to spend it all on you. Yeah, exactly. Because she's good like that. She is. She's a good friend. Okay, now that we've gotten that out of our system, <laughs> Prince Eric arrives, and his eyes meet Ariel's across the crowded room. Eric wasn't supernatural. I recognize him. He's a Winchester. I got. I got to that part. I stopped Shh. shortly after that, though. <laughs> yes, I will tell you more about his career. But yes, if you are playing the supernatural game, drink. you gotta take a shot. You gotta take a shot. As Ariel walks over to him, she stumbles. Eric offers his hand, and they soon share a dance. I, I do have to say it was very classy of him not to, like, make a thing of her, like, stumbling. Like, he just gracefully offers his hand and asks her to dance. Like, look at this stumbling woman. I want to dance with her. <laughs> you know? Like, I was like, good for you, Eric. You're good. You're good. Surely she will not trod upon my feet. Surely not. <laughs> and even if she does, what care I? For I am distracted by the beauty of her face. Eric recognizes her face, speaking of her face, from a recurring dream from his shipwreck. He believes Ursula saved him, and in doing so, sent him a vision of his future. And that future is Ariel. The young lovers find they both want to see the world. And as it so happens, Eric is to set sail the very next morning to sail away on an adventure. He asks Ariel to come along, but realizes he's pressuring her and offers her time to think. Well, you know, by time, meaning the next morning. <laughs> if she meets him by the next morning, they will be together. Should she decline, he admits that, though he will be heartbroken, he will understand. And I'm like, I like you already, dude. <laughs> but like this whole scene, just like, I'm just like, we finish each other's sandwiches. Love is an open door. Like it just had big Hans and Anna vibes. Like even though Eric is not a villain. Okay. But well, every time I watch Frozen, I enjoy the love is an open door scene so much. I forget Hans is a villain. Right. It's so cute. It's so cute because because their love, like, well, like their quote unquote love happens like every other fucking Disney's, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's that's what makes Frozen so great. But yeah, it was very big love is an open door vibes between them. Yeah. Meanwhile, Queen Regina has been watching from her magic mirror and is enraged that Snow White is alive. As punishment for not killing Snow White, or at least verifying there was a body, Regina kills one of the guards that believed her dead earlier by magically cracking his neck. 
using the force. <laughs> Frustrated with her guards, Regina decides to take matters into her own hands, and she is suddenly struck with inspiration. You know, not to be that queer, but anyone else distracted by Regina's fabulously jewel-encrusted titties in this scene? I was mostly just appreciating the fact that she's actually dressed well, unlike all the clowns in the last scene. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Regina, for bringing some sense of fashion to this hellscape. Her one trickery outfit aside, she looks banger in all of like her queen outfits. Yeah, no, oh, she yeah. looks so good in this episode. Anything not CG, <laughs> she yeah. looks amazing in. There's, these are yeah. some really good evil queen outfits yeah, it's, in Yeah, it's one. a hot episode for Regina. Yeah. yeah. That's where the budget went. <laughs> I mean, that's almost fair. Mm-hmm. I still cannot get over it in season two that gorgeous structured cape that she wore with like all those pearls embroidered on it when I think she went to like say goodbye to the corpse of Cora. Like it still yeah, sticks with me. Found. Oh my yeah. God. It's so gorgeous. Okay. Anyway, we return to Neverland where Peter Pan spies on the group and orders a few of the Lost Boys to move a sleeping Neil to the Echo Caves, stating, The game is about to get interesting. Which, of course, like, echoes back to me of, like, Cumberbatch, Sherlock, the game is afoot. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the jungle, the apparition of Belle appears before Mr. Gold once again and beckons him to leave Neverland to start a new family and finally find his happy ending. He tries to dismiss her as his subconscious acting up again, but Belle strokes his face and insists that she is really there, begging him to take her hand and leave Neverland with her. Just when he's about to give into his desires, Regina appears, not believing the illusion for a second. She force chokes Belle into submission until the true form is revealed, the shadow of Peter Pan. I'm glad they don't use Pan's shadow effect too much because it is some rough CG. Mm -hmm. It's not as bad as floor CG. They still, I don't- Oh no, that's the worst. Oh, that's, that's the worst. The, the that's the absolute worst. The floor, thing. they just can't, they just, they just, just they can't, can't tackle the floor. No. They can't. Mm -mm. While following the trail to Neil, Emma reveals to her mother that she kissed Hook. Mary Margaret is surprised and asks why. Emma says it'd been a while and insists that it was just a kiss when Snow asks if it meant anything. Snow believes Neil will be understanding. She is aware Emma is afraid to believe Neil is actually alive, but doing so will give her a chance of a happy ending. Jennifer's delivery of, oh, why, was so <laughs> good. And then I loved Emma just being like, oh, no, I just wanted to, Mom. It felt good. Whatever. Jeez. Like, yeah, it was a it was mom. a great little mother-daughter scene. Yeah, because Emma instantly like acts like she doesn't want to talk about it, even though she was the one who totally told her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't talk about this. Wait, never mind. I, don't, I hate talking about myself. <laughs> I have done a thousand times, probably to my own mother, too. <laughs> so, I, I just need to unburden myself. Do not ask any follow up questions. <laughs> this is not a press conference. <laughs> Back at the ball, Ariel regrets leaving the sea and feels terrible that she's making Eric choose between her, a girl he's just met, and his dreams of happiness. Snow White, seeing that Ariel is thinking of Eric first, realizes its true love and comforts her, telling her to be honest with him. Ariel decides to use her remaining three hours to think. Ariel heads towards the beach and asks for help from the sea goddess. The tides begin to turn and Regina, masquerading as Ursula the sea goddess, arises from the waves. Thanks, I hate it. Why did Ariel feel the need for a wardrobe change? Time is of the essence, girl. <laughs> She's back <laughs> in her, her shininess. Also, did Regina just fake a Caribbean accent 
girl no she did and it's so goddamn awful this is identity theft regina and it's a very serious crime it's 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 a very serious crime jim it's it's a there's a lot of crimes going on in this in this moment right now (laughs) and uh i am happy at least that the caribbean accent does not stick around no <laughs> no because i definitely was like oh that's racist when that oh oh no. me too <laughs> like oh, no. she did, I, was shooting, I, am, I was like oh no that's racist oh no i'm absolutely that that little kid from wonder shows who would yell that's racist that's exactly what i shouted at my television <laughs> I, I think I just, I just kind of went oh no oh no <laughs> oh no do not do no 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 back it up <laughs> you are not sebastian okay <laughs> so do not try and fake it here Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Flash forward to Neverland, where Regina is continuing to have the worst day ever as she berates Mr. Gold for his moment of weakness. Angrily, she demands the help of Rumpelstiltskin Chaos Goblin once again. Regina is so over every single man <laughs> on this damn island. <laughs> yeah, she needs to go. Where does Wonder Woman live? Oh, Themyscira. Yeah, I think Regina would do well there. <laughs> yeah, she would. The big gay. <laughs> <laughs> the gay and they have swords. Mm-hmm. So and she, she likes a girl with some good arms. Yep. So she'd be like, all right. (laughs) Mr. Gold hesitates because he knows the only way to kill Pan and save Henry is to sacrifice his life. I love Regina sassing Rumpel by going like, you're not going to die by any hand but my own. It was really funny. It was funny because it's like, sure, Jan. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact that like, she was like, well, that's not going to happen, right? And he's like, God, no. (laughs) God, no. I had my moment of like emo and now I don't. It's passed. The moment has passed (laughs) through me. I mean, we know it's obviously because Neil is alive and he's just like, oh, holy shit. I now do not want to die. <laughs> I want to live, Clarence. I want to live. I live. He's the Mushu <laughs> gif. I live. <laughs> Regina thinks they're powerful enough to take on one smug teenager, but Mr. Gold reminds her that she has never faced Peter Pan and he has. They strategize out loud, changing killing Pan to containing Pan, a fate worse than death. But to succeed, they need a particular object back in the pawn shop. There is only the matter of crossing realms. Regina's delivery at this part of just like, but why didn't you bring it? Was was really good. I know. Overall, this was a really fun scene between Lana and Robert Carlyle. Like, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, these two are to once upon a time what Hook and Charming are as well. You know what I mean? (laughs) They're like the evil version of them. It's just like two idiots pretending that they have way more brain cells than they absolutely do. (laughs) 
<laughs> like we can solve this problem if only we put our heads together and it's like no 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 don't do that <laughs> Ooh, boy. bad bad things happen bad <laughs> things happen <laughs> back in the past regina in the form of ursula exacerbates ariel's anxieties that prince eric will never accept her being a mermaid and dismisses the idea of telling him the truth instead she offers ariel a deal that will allow her to keep her legs forever and be part of his world Ugh. Without fully understanding, bless her sweet, naive heart, Ariel accepts the deal. Why is Lana so weird as Ursula? It is the worst impression of Pat Carroll. And if you don't know who the hell we're talking about, she's the voice of Ursula. It's so bad. Like this whole scene feels like a high school production of The Little Mermaid with someone doing a bad divine impersonation while trying to ham fist as many references to the Disney movie that they can in like a two minute scene. God, the frequent song title drops are a lot. Oh, and guess what? That's not the Kitsowitz. That was Lana. it very much it very much felt like when i tried to read the god-awful book ready player one which is is so full so many ham-fisted references that the whole time i felt like it was someone sitting next to me repeatedly elbowing me going like ah ah you get it you get what i did there you get what i did there that's what this scene also felt like yeah we were we're in a book club and we had to read that that book and i couldn't get through it and so how i got through it is i got the audiobook because at least said it was will wheaton reading to me and i could just be like will wheaton will wheaton's here it's okay i can't I, i would never be able to stand will wheaton reading that i love me some will but you know i would just hear like the smug version of himself from big bang theory it's like i never evil. watched big bang theory, yeah we never so watched I... big bang theory so he was like e- like an evil version of himself in that like he was sheldon's nemesis like just like you know just like a very self-entitled nerd boy you know and i'm just like bleh, bleh. <laughs> like i, I mean that's just... kind of what the narrator of ready player one is. oh oh i yeah. know i i who's that ernst klein I don't right? know. And I, I don't, don't care. I don't like him. And I don't care. You can fight me about it. Um, I'm not going to fight you. I just said I hated not, that book. Not you. That was to the audience. That wasn't you. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't fight the audience. Yeah. Well, don't fight me. <laughs> Thankfully, it's a painfully short scene. And Ariel mm-hmm. races back to Snow White and puts on an ornate bracelet on her friend's wrist, creating an exchange. While Ariel gets to keep her legs, Snow White becomes a mermaid. Believing she is acting in her friend's best interests, Ariel explains that giving Snow White a tail will allow her to escape the queen by living under the sea. That's when Regina appears in her true form, delighted that Snow White can no longer run away. I mean, she could swim away. I know, right? That's what I kind of thought. I just was like, just roll. Like, she's like, bitch, just flop over. That was Ariel's intention. Because during this scene, like, she's literally on a dock. Yeah. She just would have to kind of go, hup, and roll to the side and just swim off it's it's just just mm-hmm. swim off. just swim mm-hmm. just swim i i do know that snow is hyper aware that she would just punish ariel so that's i'm giving snow the benefit of the doubt here again i mean she's very good she's a good she's good she's always she's, a, good. she's always a ride or die you know mm-hmm. that's true she's a very instant ride or die in neverland emma hook mary margaret and david finally arrive at the end of the trail at the entrance of the echo caves Hook reveals that the caves gain their power from the saying, the deeper the lie, the more truth is in its echo. Meaning that in order to get to Neil, they'd each have to reveal their deepest, darkest secrets to each other. Pan sees secrets as a weakness he can use against the inhabitants of Neverland. 
and that those secrets will destroy the interlopers. That's pretty fucked up. I approve. Pan's a crafty fox, man. Like, he's crafty. He's crafty. He does not hesitate. Like he goes straight for the fucking feels. He knows what's going to hurt you in your soul. And I totally appreciate that about him as a villain. Yeah, he's such a good villain. Mm-hmm. He's so good. So good. In the past, Dawn arises on the scales of Snow White's newly sprouted tail. She tries to remove the bracelet, but it's enchanted so that the wearer cannot remove it. Regina and Snow White demand that Ariel leave so as to be with Eric, and Ariel does leave initially, apologizing to her friend. Having finally detained her victim, Regina uses her magic to try and crush Snow White's throat, but Ariel quickly sneaks an attack on Regina by stabbing her in the neck with a mini trident, otherwise known as a fork. Ariel straight up stabbing Regina in the neck with a fork was brutal and such smart thinking. Don't mess with Ariel. She went so fucking feral. And that's why I love this Ariel so fiercely. I'm just like, I love this feral chipmunk. Like she hoards shit and then she uses it to attack anybody who's attacking her new ride or die. (laughs) So good for her. I really like her. No, she's super cute. Super cute. As Regina howls in pain, (laughs) Ariel races over to Snow, removes the bracelet, and immediately Snow has legs and Ariel has her fins. And she tells Snow White to hold her breath as they jump into the water and swim away, leaving Regina livid and bleeding on the dock. (laughs) LOL at the flopping of the surface of the water after they already showed Ariel and Snow like way under. So like the shot is Ariel and Snow underwater, like totally like already like six feet under, you know, really getting in there and swimming away. But then when we see them from Regina's POV, they are literally on the surface of the water just going flip, flop, flip, flop. Like if a goldfish flopped out of its bowl and it's just like, you know, just like Mm -hmm. plopping in like a little puddle. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Oh no, it was a stupid shot. They should not have been like, look, here they are plunging under the waves and then being like, just kidding. They're kind of just like weirdly struggling. And <laughs> they're like do, trying to do the worm. <laughs> like on the it looked like the such a struggle. And it's like one of you is like literally half fish. You shouldn't be having so much trouble swimming. Yeah. yeah. In Neverland, the group decides they have no choice and enter the cave. In it, Neil is trapped in a cage on a stone pillar on the other side of a bottomless pit. It's very Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, so give yourself, like, that visualization. As the group reveals their secrets to each other, a path appears in front of Neil and toward them with each truth. Hook's truth is that he kissed Emma, which itself isn't a secret anymore, as Emma told Mary Margaret. But the cave accepts the elaboration that came next. Hook's kiss with Emma gave him hope that he can be happy again after losing Mila. Colin has the saddest faces in this episode. He's so, so handsome and lovesick. Bless him. Mary Margaret's truth is that despite how proud she is of the woman her daughter grew into and how much she loves Emma, she's deeply upset that she missed out on everything in her daughter's life. Snow wants to have another baby. (gasps) Give me a baby, you handsome himbo. God, Jennifer is just so good in these little heartbreaking moments. Like when she's like crying. You know, some actresses and actors are just like, that's a good crier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jennifer's a great crier. Like, she cries and you want to cry. You just feel like, oh, God, yeah. she's so sad. Yeah, you just want to cuddle her. Yeah. 
David exposes the truth about his poisonous injury to his family at last, but he also reveals the price he has to pay in accepting the cure. He can never leave Neverland, not without dying. Needless to say, Mary Margaret is not happy. Oh, look! It's that shit you should have told your wife ages ago. He's hoping she'll find his single manly tear very handsome and, and forgive him for hiding his almost death. Oh. I, I thought she was going to roundhouse kick him into the pit. She absolutely was. <laughs> she, she really did look like she was about to. She was holding back, man. And I honestly wouldn't have blamed her as much as <laughs> I loved him if she'd just been like, mm, and just kicked him in Sparta style. I'd have been like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. At this point, the path has been completed and Emma is able to cross safely, but she can't open the cage and free Neil without revealing a secret of her own. I love that Emma went into Emma smash mode initially, like with her sword, she's just banging away at this bamboo cage, like smash those feelings, Emma, smash them, smash them. Yeah, Emma's just like, God damn it, I hate talking about myself and I hate talking about my feelings most of all. Emma's secret is that when she first heard that Neil might be alive, she was terrified. Ever since she saw him in Manhattan, she knew she'd never stop loving him, and still does, and probably always will. But in spite of all of that, she secretly hoped that it wasn't true, and that he was really dead. In tears, Emma admits it'd be so much easier to put him behind her than to face all of the pain all over again. The secret works and Neil is set free while everyone in the group is forced to live with their newfound truths about each other. Neil just immediately reaching out and wrapping Emma in a hug and just accepting the way that she feels that she loves him, but she wishes he was gone so she could have put him behind her. It really got to me. It really got to me. The same. I was just like, oh, he loves you anyway. He's like, I just... I just love you both. In the jungle. Good segue. Yeah. (laughs) They set off to find Tinkerbell and go for the final stage of rescuing Henry. Emma and Neil hang back where the former tries to apologize for her feelings. Neil insists she need not apologize, considering everything he put her through. Furthermore, he is glad she revealed her true feelings, as he has a secret too. He is never going to stop fighting for her. Having overheard, Hook gives the audience some seriously sad puppy eyes. Just the saddest, handsomest pirate eyes, just gazing longingly <laughs> through the jungle leaves. <laughs> and, and it's like he can't even hate Neil because Neil's so fucking good, right? It's like, like Neil's just like, yeah, you had to tell the truth and I put you through some shit and that's legit. Like, I have to live with the fact that I made you feel this way. And I'm just like, you're so fucking good. I I love you. You are too pure for this world, Neil. And Hook cares about Neil too. He does. That's the thing. Like he really loves him too. Yeah. yeah. Banged your mom and now I want to bang your baby mama. (laughs) Oh, there's such a good scene relating to that coming in season five, though. Just Mm -hmm, you wait, Joe. Just you wait. There's a funny. I really can't wait because I'm gonna (laughs) die laughing. David tries to talk with his wife, but she big mad. She is so mad. I felt that cold shoulder through the TV. Mm -hmm. Back in the past, Ariel manages to carry Snow White off to a shore, and Snow White pushes Ariel to leave and find Eric. Ariel happily goes to her true love. He's been waiting as long as he could until she shows up, which she does, just in the nick of time. 
Ariel calls out to Eric, but no sound escapes her throat. Regina reappears and reveals she's taken Ariel's voice from her. For the only thing worse than telling your true love how you feel and facing the possibility of rejection is never telling them at all, never getting the chance to be happy. Heartbroken, Ariel swims away. I mean, she could have tried throwing a rock at him. That might have worked. I also wrote throw a rock in my notes. <laughs> I, I was thinking, yeah, like start splashing around, make some noise. Or, like, go over to his ship? Like, he's going to be sailing? Like, make your presence known and, I don't know, have him teach you the alphabet so you can write shit down. But, like, I feel like there are better ways that this could have been resolved. But, you know, whatever the fuck. Regina returns to her castle, smug at her more recent evil doings, when the actual goddess Ursula appears in the magic mirror, commanding Regina to never impersonate her again or else she will suffer unspeakable consequences. And <laughs> thank gods for that. Just the most abominably bad CG in this episode. Mm. I, I do remember enjoying Ursula once we get to her in next season. Thankfully, she won't be all golden CG once we get to her. No, no, no. In Neverland, Mr. Golden Regina appear on the shores of the giant squid's lair. But this time, instead of blowing into the conch shell and summoning the kraken, Regina whispers to the sea through it and summons Ariel, her voice still absent. <laughs> and at this point, I do love that Regina's like, oh, right, your voice, and just, like, fucking gives it back to her. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. That's like a goddamn afterthought. Yeah. <laughs> Mermaids have the ability to travel across realms, and they plan on using that ability. For incentive, Regina gives Ariel her voice back, returns the bracelet to her with the promise of legs and the promise of seeing Eric again. All she has to do is go on a little journey to Storybrooke. You know, when half the show takes place there, dropping the name of the town isn't the bombshell you think it is. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> End credits. I like this episode, as silly as it can get and as bad as a CG can get. Ariel's yeah. a total bubblehead, and I love her for that. I also like that they set up for Ursula as weirdly as they do it, even if it's like a while before she finally arrives. At least like they're planting the seeds for the future, you know, and it just doesn't come out of, like, fucking thin air. Also, Emma and Neil are reunited, and it feels so good! I love it. I love it. I I feel like they kind of fell into the same hole with Ariel that they've fallen in with Belle multiple times. Where a character's supposed to be clever. And she's I didn't think not. she's supposed to be clever. I thought she's Ariel supposed to be- does some real clever shit in Little Mermaid. And this one, she's just like, oh! <gasps> Really? Boop a doop a doop a doop stumbles into obvious situation. I like the fact that she's an airhead. <laughs> Much like the first time we saw mermaids on this show, I'm disappointed in the bad computer graphic mermaid tales. Like, there are plenty of companies that make beautiful mermaid tales for performers. Why couldn't we have had that instead of like the weird plastic jelly physics we get instead? And like, this also seemed to be the episode where every grown man was a colossal dum-dum, except for Neil, who is perfect and we're happy to have him here. <laughs> I do like this episode. I do want more from the flashback scenes. I wish she had done more with Ariel's story. She's super cute and I, I really enjoyed her, her and Snow becoming friends. But I wish there was, you know, a little more development with her and Eric and her and her adventurous spirit and a little less CG tentacles. But I, you know, I enjoy it. The Neverland scenes in this episode are the really strong part of this episode. While it may be a plot device to force everyone to voice inner feelings and share their secrets, 
I think the Echo Cave scenes were fantastic. Mm. Um, I was so in the moment and feeling for, for Emma, for Snow, for Hook, for Neil. It was raw and really well done. The performances from the cast in the Echo Caves just alone makes this episode for me. Yeah, the Echo um, Cave scenes was very punch you in the feels. Yeah, punch you in the feels. The Enchanted Forest storyline in this one is very season one. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I see that. I'm excited for, for next week, though, because I, I remember really enjoying Ariel and Storybrooke. Oh, my God. Yes. Probably one of my favorite season three episodes. If memory serves, please, please, memory, don't be just protecting me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good one. I, I think I remember it being a good one. Knock on wood. <laughs> I honestly don't remember anything about Ariel and Storybrooke. Her and Belle have big bisexual energy. I mean, that doesn't surprise me because I feel like almost every woman Belle comes into contact with, she has big bisexual energy with. Yeah. yeah they're like little detectives, right? It's a detective yeah. show. Yeah, it's like a little it's, detective yeah, show. Yeah, it's fun. I think I was sewing the mm. only time I watched it. Should we, should we even continue on our tirade of costumes. Let's do costumes. I know we already talked okay. about it, but sure. let's do, let's, let's. We can yell let's about talk, more. Let's okay. talk about costumes a little more. There were some good stuff in there. I think, and also I think that with what they did, they deserve to be dragged more. <laughs> I am absolutely throwing shade at that entire yeah. ball scene. It was just. They, they, they need to, they need to know what they did and feel bad about it. They need to be shamed. Yes. Shame. 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 Ariel's <laughs> dress was pretty. It just wasn't right. I will say that. Well, that's why I said all the budget went yeah. to Ariel's dress and Eric's outfit. Yeah. 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 Their whole budget for that scene went to Ariel and Eric and everyone else. They were like, forever 21 it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except for Ann Taylor in the background. Yeah. Vote, and the take, one woman taking who Taking a business in, phone call. <laughs> the one woman who wandered in from her Ann Taylor loft. It's Nan- it's, it was Nancy from HR. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, we're really short today, Nancy. You got to come down. She's like, all right, it's my time to shine. We just need more bodies for this scene. No, you don't need to change. What you've got on is fine. <laughs> like if they were all nautical themed, it would have been so cute. That would have been really cute. That would have been cute. Like I feel like Ariel, they were trying to go for like sea foam and bubbles for Snow White and Ariel, but it really did come off like an eighth grade end of year mini prom sort of take on it. And I was just like, oh, this is disappointing. It's just the cheapest off the rack prom and business casual nonsense like Mm -hmm. you shouldn't watch a fantasy show and go oh i could walk into forever 21 right now and buy basically everything i see on the screen it was the most lazy shoddy costuming i've seen in this show ever really it was a relief when the next scene was regina and her glitzy well-tailored evil queen outfit because otherwise i wanted to cry for the fashion and it was really sad because like prince eric looked great and he was like the only one who yeah. like actually looked like he belonged there. Yeah, he was, he was the only one that didn't look like this was, I don't know, like a home video of like a 2018 prom or something. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's not even touching on the fact that what Ariel wears when she shifts into being human kind of just looks like a low budget Disney on ice costume. <laughs> <laughs> like what happened, wardrobe? What happened to this episode? Now that you mention it, I do remember pausing and noticing that like her belly had sparkles on it. And I was yeah, like, Yeah, she has she has yes. nude mesh with the diamonds in it, like the ice skaters wear for her, oh. her Disney on ice that attaches to her little holographic lycra skirt. I know the skirt was like meant to like mimic her tail a bit. Like I bet it's one of those situations where I think like the camera can't pick it up. 
I think it's actually like nicer than it is because I feel like they were inspired by the dress that she wears at the very end, like the blue sequence one at the very end of Little Mermaid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that King Triton puts her in. The inspiration was definitely clearly supposed to be her victory dress from the Mm -hmm. end of Little Mermaid, but they fell short because I I know my way around performance fabrics (laughs) and I clocked that shit for what it was. I was like, I know that goddamn holographic Lycra and performance mesh. Yeah, I really wish they had done sequence instead. There was so many ways that they could have like done what I think their vision was and had it look good. Yeah, it really was just sort of one step above like that mermaid scale print lycra (laughs) spandex. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is Disney on ice, but lower budget. (laughs) Mm. I mean, at least Regina looked killer hot, Mm -hmm. which she needed because good Lord, those Enchanted Forest (laughs) scenes with her as Ursula. All the time and budget definitely went to Regina in this episode because she looked fabulous when she wasn't a CG octopus. Yeah. All right, time to move past these costumes and talk about guest stars. Yes, let's Probably please, let's best. bury these costumes into a <laughs> grave. Yeah, where <laughs> no poor plebe may stumble upon them again. <laughs> All right, it's time to play Who's That Guest Star? In season three, episode six, we have Gil McKinney as Prince Eric. Texas-born actor McKinney is known for his guest starring work on television, including roles on The Loop, Saving Grace, Ghost Whisperer, Without a Trace, CSI, The Mentalist, Castle, and Grey's Anatomy. Gill's best-known roles have been on ER as Dr. Paul Grady, Derek Bishop on Friday Night Lights, and as the noted Henry Winchester on Supernatural. It's the grandpa. It's grandpa. It's papa. It's papa. Papa. Papa Winchester. I was going to say Papa Supernatural. <laughs> Papa Supernatural. Like on Tumblr when people don't know what a character's last name is, and so they just like make the tag character plus fandom as their last name. I'm cosplaying Henry Supernatural. <laughs> Mr. Supernatural was my father. So we have Yvette Nicole Brown as the voice of the real Ursula. Yvette began a career in television acting in 2000, appearing in episodes of Malcolm in the Middle, House, That 70s Show, Seventh Heaven, Girlfriends, Two and a Half Men, Entourage, Rules of Engagement, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Her regular roles include Nickelodeon's Drake and Josh. Her films include singing sensation drama Dream Girls, Hotel for Dogs, 500 Days of Summer, but she is best known for her long-term role on Community as single mother and college attendee, Shirley Bennett. I love her so much. Shirley was one of my absolute favorite characters on Community. She's so good. She was given the role of Ursula for being a super fan of the show. She previously played Goldie Loxley on season two DVD bonus skit, Good Morning Storybrooke, which is fucking hilarious. The Good Morning Storybrooke segments are amazing. All right, so it's time to swim on out to sea to Once Upon a Timeline. Oh, God. (laughs) So thank you to the Once Upon a Time wiki for their Enchanted Forest timeline for helping me place this one a bit more precisely within the episodes we've seen so far. I had a pretty good placement, but they helped me connect one piece that was missing. So thanks to that resource. So our main clues in this one is that Bandit Snow is currently on the run from the Queen and that she is already clearly in love with Charming. So as far as Snow White episodes go, these flashbacks are between season one, episode three, and season one, episode 10. But more specifically, this episode takes place after the flashbacks in season two, episode 11, The Outsider, where we see Regina kidnap a Belle who has recently been kicked out of the Dark Castle and gone on her quest with Mulan. 
Also an important fact here is that we have Regina mention her mermaid issues in season one, episode 12, Skin Deep. So this scene towards the end of the episode where she is lying to Rumpelstiltskin about Belle's supposed death actually takes place during the flashbacks of this episode. So at some time while all this is going on with Ariel and Snow, she poofs off and goes and taunts Rumpelstiltskin for a little bit. And then the flashbacks that take place immediately after are those in season one, episode 10, 7.15 a.m., where we see a bandit Snow White still hiding in the forest, visited by Red and in love with a charming who is engaged to Abigail. All right, it's time for our rants and raves. Elisa. So we watched all of Amphibia, and we talked about it a little bit last week, but we've now finished it, and it was really good. I love that it went from like goofy episode of the week show to like full-blown magical girl anime that made me cry. Like, I love my emotional support amphibians. Precious frog son. I love them all. Linami also went and checked out the Persona 25th anniversary event at Requiem. And it was delicious. We had vegetarian curry and tea. Oh, I had lemonade, actually. I had the uh, the Ginez lemonade. Mm. And we bought a lot of merch because everything was just so cute. And we, we love supporting Requiem so much. It's an awesome cafe and store now in Anaheim. So recommend it if you're in the Southern California area. So yeah, that was nice. That was nice to get to do that. What about you, Lynn? Well, we also got through all of First Kill which while it isn't the best thing I've ever watched, it was a sapphic vampire hunter romance, which Mm. I am living for. Like at times it's very over the top, cheesy and dramatic, like pretty much all paranormal teen dramas are, but like straight people get a million of those. It was nice to get one and have it be gay. Like we should have the same things. Is it animated? (laughs) No, it's live action. Yeah, it's very Shadow Hunters, Twilight, Buffy, all that stuff. Oh, it's better than Twilight. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but it, it it is it is romance novel TV, you know? It is teen yeah. romance novel it's TV. It's a melodramatic paranormal teen romance. It's very gay Romeo and Juliet, but they're a hunter family and a vampire family. It's very dramatic. We've got low-budget CGI, but they're gay, which I appreciate. So yeah, I liked Enjoy. it. Like, it's not the best thing in the world, but I liked it. And people should watch it so we get a second season and also get more shows like that. There's a Once Upon a Time connection because Juliet's mother is, oh, I just forgot the act, Elizabeth. What's her name? I don't know. She was, she was on Lost. She was in Revolution. She, she was on Once Upon a Time. She, she was, was Ingrid. She's Ingrid in Once Upon a Time. Um, so oh, our- she was in Lost? Yeah, Juliet. She was Juliet in Lost. Oh my God. Yeah, Elizabeth Mitchell. Elizabeth Mitchell um, is the mother, uh, like the vampire matriarch. She's amazing like she always is because you're always just like, that woman is 10 times smarter than me and could kill me in an instant. That's how I always feel about her in anything she's in. So it was, it was fun to see her. So yeah, there's a Once Upon a Time connection. It's uh, Ingrid from season four. On the other end of the spectrum, since we also talk about things we don't like in this section, I guess. Mm-hmm. I watched Neon Demon by myself while Elisa was off with her family, and it was terrible. Don't watch it. It was so terrible. Also, my ambient candle I had lit exploded and almost burned my house down three quarters of the way through the movie. Oh my god. (laughs) And well, I know that's not the movie's fault. I still blame the Neon Demon for almost burning down my house. So, um, Nicholas Fending Redfin, you, you owe me a check for emotional damages. 
<laughs> and general annoyance. Is that one of the nice smelling ones on the mantle? Yeah, yeah, it was it was the one that we brought back from the cute boutique Castlewood we stayed at that looked like a castle on the inside. Uh-huh. That was what we brought back from that. It was the Maid Marian candle. Oh. And three quarters of the way through the movie, like it just like shattered and blasted hot glass. Oh. All over the living room. And then there was just like this little calcifer-esque ball of uncontained fire on my mantle for a moment. And Noah was sitting on my lap when it happened. So that went about as well as you can imagine it would. Oh, poor Noah. I mean, no one was hurt. I was. Were you? Did you get, you you got blasted with glass? I didn't get blasted with glass, but Noah mauled me in his attempts to oh get no and then merlin was all like what's all this on the floor mom so i was scooping up molten glass to get it away from my cats i'm so sorry you were at home alone oh, for this so i know it's not the neon demon's fault that that happened but it you don't know that i also you don't know that that it was the neon demon's fault that it happened absolutely i'm back to nicholas yeah you owe me money sir he needs to cut you a check Uh uh-huh first of all i felt like he owed me recompense (laughs) for the the shitty movie because it's terrible but then on top of that he almost burned down my house yeah absolutely he personally almost burned down my house the bastard we met him at comic-con the one time he was playing the long game (laughs) (laughs) you need to be talking into ariana about this because you you two watch horror and sci-fi in a way that elisa and i do not it wasn't even horror i felt tricked (laughs) see it's billed as psychological horror it isn't the it only was a psych- trick. The psychological damage was that it wasn't psychological horror. Yeah, it, it damaged you. you it, yeah. yeah, because it was terrible. Like the one thing I will give it is that the cinematography is beautiful. If that's all you can say about a film, that is you know all I can a, say about yeah, it. Yeah, you know it's a piece of shit. Because the plot is shit, mm. and the messages in it are shit. <laughs> it had a good cast of pretty people but they also delivered their lines very woodenly. And these are people I know can act. Mm-hmm. And it was terrible and in parts kind of offensive. So don't watch the Neon Demon if you haven't already done that thing to yourself. That's my advice to you, kids. Don't watch the Neon Demon or Niklas Fending Redfin will come to your house and try to burn it down. He'll personally come into your home and try and torch it if you watch this. He'll deal you psychic damage through the television. (laughs) He's just that powerful, the Mad Dane. (laughs) All right. This last weekend was a big bachelorette adventure. There were 17 of us on two harbors and we camped on the beach. I slept on rocks for this bitch who I love, who I love dearly. And I will only sleep on rocks for a scant few amount of people but i would do it again for her but goddamn i have decided i officially hate camping (laughs) it's taken me two days two days 48 hours to recover no more i say no more fuck camping i also hate hiking i do like the beach and i like grilling and i like celebrating my friends so that part was all good i also like roasting marshmallows over an open fire Also, I am looking forward to my friend Amanda visiting for a few weeks. She arrives in 10 days. So I've been prepping for her visit. I've been buying tickets. 
Among those tickets are the tickets to see Thor 4 at the El Capitan Theater, complete with like a laser show. Oh, so, what? Yeah. That's so cool. I love El Capitan. I know, right? So I'm, I'm super excited. I got us balcony seats. I'm really stoked to show her because I also just love historic theaters and it's a very historic theater. So. Oh, and that, that one's like straight up one of the prettiest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very pretty. Disney has done a really good job like preserving it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there will be costumes also on display. Nice. Really looking forward to that. And then we're going to go to Scum and Villainy, the Star Wars Cantina afterwards. Nice. So Yeah. Oh, and uh, flights finally dropped enough uh, in Southwest because they're having like a big sale. Go book your flights. That I was able to buy tickets finally to Denver to go visit my very first internet friend that I made when I was like 16. I was supposed to go and spend my birthday with her back in the summer of 2020, but uh, (laughs) Uh, yeah, (laughs) what what happened again? Yeah, (laughs) oh, nothing big. Oh, nothing. You know, I got derailed (laughs) (laughs) next time on once upon a rewatch mr golden regina send ariel back to storybrooke with an item that will allow bell to locate a hidden artifact that could help take down pan but unbeknownst to them two men have broken into the town with the intent to stop them at all costs meanwhile emma neil and hook attempt to find dark hollow where peter pan's shadow dwells in order to capture it Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, you don't need a voice. Just hit that man with a rock. Like Snow did. Work for her. Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Tweet us at once upon rewatch. Participate in episodic polls on Instagram at once upon rewatch. Follow us at onceuponarewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Ruru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Ariel decides to use her remaining three hours to thrink. To thrink! (laughs) Thrink! I'm gonna go thrink. Three go hours to thrink. thrink. I'm gonna thrink. I think that's. I think that's actually a good. A good uh, slang word for like. Think and like, drink. Yeah, think and drink. Like it's like I'm gonna go contemplate my life's decisions as I drink a PBR. You know. <laughs>